Hello and welcome to Industry Insights, a podcast for, by and about the film industry from the Berlinale's European Film Market, produced in cooperation with Goethe Institute and co-funded by Creative Europe Media. This year-round EFM podcast puts a spotlight on highly topical and trend-setting industry issues, thereby creating a compass for the forthcoming film year. I'm AC Coppens and I will be your host today. An honor for me to sit in for Johanna Kolyonen and Nadia Denton, who are usually hosting this format. I am a strategist, conference curator and speaker and the founder of The Catalyst, an agency for innovative and creative players working at the intersection of digital tech and creative content. So we will hear insights from four startups today. In the first segment, we will talk about the two ends of the producing spectrum, from digital development to digital collection of revenue, with the co-founder and CEO of My Smash Media, Fiona Gillis, and FilmChain co-founder Maria Tangela. In the second segment, we will have with us Respeacher, a voice cloning tool for content creators represented by its co-founder and CEO, Alex Serdiuk. And then stay tuned till the end to hear Max Hermans, the co-founder and CEO of The Green Shot. He will tell us about sustainability and production, which has become more important than ever today and will even be more tomorrow. So a warm welcome here in the studio in hybrid mode. Welcome to uh, Maria Tangela, co-founder of FilmChain. And uh, welcome to Fiona Gillis, the co-founder of MySmash Media. And it's really interesting because Maria and Fiona are on opposite ends of the producing spectrum. Fiona with her digital development tool and Maria with digital collection of revenue. So that's really interesting to explore this uh, journey between the two. But let me tell you a little bit more about the two companies they are running. My Smash Media is an AI matchmaking platform that connects content creators and decision makers. It is actually a three-sided IP marketplace with content creators with new and diverse IPs, decision makers looking for IPs, and service providers offering services like script services, locations, legals, etc. So basically, they offer pitch registration and tokenization to help protect IPs and enable secure project sharing. And basically, they give access to decision makers to innovative, diverse projects that match their brief FilmChain, the first digital collection agent that pays professionals in the film and TV industries in automatic, transparent processes. Basically, the platform leverages blockchain technology and machine learning to save industry professionals millions in mismanaged funds, human errors, lack of data, etc. And the platform is used by over 1,500 active beneficiaries 80 films and TV productions and organizations such as HBO, Council of Europe, FFA, and clients from all over the world. In 22, they launched their second product for content distributors, a royalties management software that helps film chain actually achieve their vision to automate the end-to-end money flow across the entire value chain. So, Fiona, Maria, welcome here and... Uh, Let's engage in this conversation and um, explore. And to start with, uh, we'll start with you, Fiona. How do you think can new technologies and innovative tools like yours, My Smash Media, support the production teams? First of all, it's lovely to be here. And uh, thank you very much for inviting My Smash Media on. Um, I think how we can support productions is by bringing new voices, new talent into the, um, into the arena so that we can connect with those innovative ideas that are out there but aren't currently harnessed. New ideas are everywhere. Really good ideas are out there across the world. So we need to find a way to bring them into the industry. And if we can do that by providing them with um, security to protect their IP and then connecting them to decision makers, whether that's producers, directors, financiers, sales companies, streamers, whoever it is, then I think that's beneficial for the whole production. Great. What about you, Maria? How do you see these new technologies and tools being used? And uh, how do you see them really helping these production teams? 
I am um, also very excited to, to be in this conversation with you ladies. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, it's always a pleasure to speak about innovation and how innovation is adopted by the industry. Um, how I started, I, I was a film producer, line producer before, before setting up Film Chain. And um, for me, it really was, it was out of frustration that um, myself and my co-founder Irina, we started Film Chain. What we have seen is like how slow and manual and opaque processes um, were, were taking place in the industry. And um, it really was all about kind of accessing the money. And the money and what comes with the money is also the data, the financial data. So we thought that there must be better ways to do it. Um, there was so much innovation on screen, but what we were seeing in the processing, in the processes behind the screen, it was quite traditional and opaque. Second of all, we really felt like the barriers to entry for filmmakers and for producers making their first, their second films were very, very high. Most of the time they were left to align all of the stakeholders involving investors, public funds, talent, sales agents. They had to manage this on their own. And then secondly, they had to spend almost like a lifetime in calculating royalties and making payments. So we thought it's so important to deliver an, an efficient process for, 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 for running their finances that saves them time and money and takes away this burden off the producer's shoulders. And that's where we saw an opportunity for great innovation. Mm -hmm. I think the last time we met, it was in Cannes Next. Uh, it was this year, I think. So it was really great to see like the development. And uh, this is why I'm going to ask you, actually, which are the gaps that you are seeing since 2018, 19? You know, the, the gaps that you can see that could be filled by such technological tools in the industry. What do you see still needed? Well, um, we're based in the UK. We operate in the UK, Europe uh, and around the world, really. But What we have noticed in the UK is that producers are still massively underpaid. There were several reports that were talking about how well they invest their earnings back into the film production. Um, and what really makes the industry more of a hobby than a viable business model. And that, that really pains us to see that, things that way because... The, the producers sometimes wait for years to get paid or other times they don't see the money at all. It was, I think, Marcus Invoice that they were saying that at any given point, the, the, the companies in the film and TV industry in the UK are 1.1 billion out of pocket. So what we focus on is that we hope that with our help, the, the parties that need to recoup, they can access their money faster. And then mm -hmm. like that, they can cash flow new productions and they also get insights into what went wrong and what was right you know to to, to learn mm -hmm. for new productions on on the go mm -hmm. but secondly we also see a gap in accessing to education like about about the digitization you know the industry across the entire value chain all of the players in the industry they need more education and that's why we think that uh, that EFM podcast uh, like the one that we're doing today is so absolutely crucial for for everyone in the industry. Fiona, what about you? Tell me from your point of view, it's really interesting between uh, you giving access and um, Maria distributing money at the end of the, of the process. Um, what did you observe in the last years, uh, Fiona, of your experience? What do you think uh, are there still needs which are not answered by technological tools? Yes, well, like Maria, <clears throat> um, I come from, as does my co-founder, Christine Hartland, we both come from backgrounds as producers. And in fact, we had a conversation with Maria um, years ago, or several years ago, when we were thinking about setting up Smash, trying to work out problems. And everything that Maria and um, Arena do, I think, is very, very empowering for producers. And I would say that the issue in the UK is definitely around producers and new producers and producers who have been in the industry for a long time having to support their productions exactly like it's a hobby. And, and they are the people that are responsible for bringing the new voices in and the new talent. And they are really being squeezed. And, you know, I, I can see that as we're moving towards a kind of two-tier industry where there will be a very, very big gap And long term, that's that's bad for all of us. So uh, we need to find a way. And maybe in that gap is where 
innovation can happen, where we can bring those two sides closer together. And Absolutely. I mean, we're talking here about smart producing tools. Yes. And th- th- I mean, my question is, I mean, how keen is the industry actually to embrace innovation, to accept it, to adapt to it? How do you see this, Maria? I will refer back to 2019 when when we were meeting people in person and yeah we did um, we did a, a beautiful tour around the world uh, around education that's when we were incredibly excited we saw so many people like rooms full of people curious coming here to learn that were already very knowledgeable and I'm sure that Fiona can can also testify to this there was a, a lot of curiosity uh, in the industry and and we really love that we learned from them and, and they have inspired us with with shaping up the product. And they already had such a, a base knowledge around blockchain and accessing finance and, and tools. Where we definitely see that there's still more space for for adoption is um, probably at the enterprise level. So executive at enterprise level who are are a bit more reluctant to piloting with innovative solutions. And we understand, we understand where they're coming from. And what we do is like, we try to preempt their concerns. Absolutely, because you need to get them on board. You need to deal with the skepticism in the industry in terms of blockchains, AI, machine learning, which are very often seen like, ooh, what's happening here? What's your uh, take on this, Fiona? How, how do you see the industry embracing innovation? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, embracing, maybe. Uh, I think there's a gradual kind of sea change. Sometimes I think with um, my Smash Media, we're in a similar position really to how the casting services were a long time ago. You know, traditionally you would, um, everything was done by paper, you would send off cast lists, you would wait to hear, whereas now there are matchmaking tools for casts. And that took about a year um, to come in and people were very sceptical at first um, but now they can't imagine going back and I think with us that's a similar kind of way we're finding that we have to bring in the industry gently we mm-hmm. have a smash cupid that is matching people uh, to projects and there's a kind of bespoke hand-holding um, situation that we're in at the moment but the proof is in the pudding exactly you know kind of as Maria's finding, when you bring the money in, when you bring the projects in, people relax and they can see, okay. But I, I think that there are a lot of traditional practices. Tell me, what was the most challenging thing you had to do to have your tool adopted? Maria first, maybe. We had, in the first couple of years, before major uh, organisations ad- adopted us, we had hundreds of calls with sometimes the same organization to answer all of the questions. And there were times where, um, because we make payments, so obviously there was all of the all of the banking details, all of the GDPR, all of the contracts, liability. Mm-hmm. We had to answer such intricate uh, questions and we felt so much resistance that we really didn't know if we're going to pull it off. But somehow, miraculously, (laughs) after tens, if not hundreds of conversations with sometimes just one organization who needed to sign off and they were just one party to a film out of 10 parties, that's when it felt it felt really, um, uh, that is going to take a long time. It it felt really heavy. Mm -hmm. But... After those, everyone just relaxed. It, it was it was incredible. Like they they already saw a reputation, and we didn't need to jump through the same hoops again, which which it was a, a huge relief. Fiona, I mean, you started a couple of years after Film Change, so you had an advantage by having an audience, um, the film professionals, being more used already to. Um, words like yes. blockchain, AI, and etc. What was the biggest challenge for you? Well, as we're a three-sided marketplace, so we have content creators and then we mm-hmm. have decision makers. Um, the biggest challenge for us was uh, initially you have to focus on the content creators. You need that body of work in. And so you focus there, bringing in those content creators. You haven't yet brought in the decision makers. Um, and it was making that first match. So obviously, to make that first match, you need a big 
pool of talent, you know, because it's a business and you have um, investors and our investors have been hugely supportive of us, but still you are under pressure to bring in revenue and to think about, you know, kind of revenue streams. And because we are free to content creators, I suppose that was our biggest hurdle, making that first match. And now that that has happened and we've made quite a few, that's we've kind of overcome that first challenge. We do benefit from, say, um, Maria blazing a trail. That's always, you know, kind of very encouraging when you can see somebody further down the line from you. Um, you know that they've gone through similar experiences. And that's a great thing, I think, in a way about the whole startup and innovation world. There's a lot of sharing of the good stuff and the bad stuff. <laughs> and that, I think, is really, really useful for all of us. So, I mean, we see a shift in methods of producing. I mean, resistance, mistrust, and a little bit of fear is always there, but there is a shift. And we see that producers are actually like moving forward with all the technology tools coming up on the market because it is enabling so much more collaboration, so much more access, so much more efficiency. Um, but still, we are in times of uncertainty and etc. So how do you see the, the future for all these startups coming up and uh, offering also smart producing tools, just like you in the couple of years coming up? What are your um, takeaways for a future of smart producing? What do you think is going to happen in this segment of the market? Maria? I absolutely love the ecosystem in, in, in our industry. I'm so excited about the future. I think there are not enough startups in the film interview industry, so I can't wait to see more and more financing around them because I do think that smart producing tools are leveling the playing field. It, it allows producers of all ages, anywhere in the world, from all social economical backgrounds to to do things better, to access more information, to become knowledgeable, to become empowered. And um, that makes an industry that is no longer like opaque or traditional players um, that have been around for ages. And these new entrants are bringing a, a huge breath of fresh air. And that is very exciting. And last but not least, they're more courageous to try new things because They can learn from their failures. They, they, they are no longer kind of stuck in the old ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, Fiona, how do you see the future of smart producing? How do you think it can give more space for producers to be more creative or more effective? Well, I think for independent producers, they, it will have a huge effect. That if uh, embracing innovation is key, I think, for independent producers, it'll take longer for studios kind of, you know, bigger companies, because, I mean, they take so much longer to do anything, really. But for those independent producers, we are all used to working leanly, quickly. And tools like this can make a huge difference. And I think in the world of co-production as well, um, you know, I'm very keen that we start telling global stories, that, you know, a story that works in Alaska will work in New Zealand, will work, you know, kind of those intimate stories that can be shared by producers working together globally through using innovative tools and being able to find talent through something like My Smash Media and then find revenue streams and keep an eye on their revenue streams through Maria's company. And there's a much more opportunity, but producers are brave, I think, independent producers are brave. And now as, the, as things get tougher for them, now's the time to seize the opportunity to be innovative. Mm -hmm. So how do you see the future tools coming up? And I mean, you are part of building the future anyway, already for a couple of years. Um, how do you see the, the solutions coming up also empowering the producers to be not only more efficient and sustainable in the economical sense, you know, like reducing costs and being efficient, that's great, but also in the ecological sense and in the social sense. We were talking about giving access. You are female-led uh, companies, uh, which is really interesting. But I would like to see where do you see these solutions really supporting more sustainability in the three senses of the world? Maria? As, as we have discussed many times, and it's um, absolutely 
vital uh, to look at a um, sustainable uh, future for the industry from an ecological, economical and, and social point of view. As you said, uh, for, for film chain to be, first of all, a, a women-led company that um, assembles a team that is very diverse from all different walks of life, of all ethnicities, sexualities, and uh, from various countries, and working towards uh, towards connecting with, with our clients. We have uh, over 1,500 beneficiaries, but at the same time, they are individuals, you know, they are, mm-hmm. uh, they are companies that, that, uh, that are run by people and need to be heard, they need to need to be to connect with someone on the other end of the line. For us, that was very, very important. We also, as, as I have mentioned before, this barrier to entry, so many, so many producers were turned down because their budgets were too small. So they ended up doing these payments for years. And it was uh, such a huge burden on them in to run everything in these kind of manual spreadsheets. So again, breaking that barrier to entry, allowing a producer that makes an incredibly powerful documentary with a hundred thousand pounds in budget to receive the same type of service, to to verify all of the transactions, to withdraw as little as fifty pounds. To us, that's what brings us the joy, and that's where we see the sustainability from from this social and economical angle. Mm, that's great because you you are already ticking all the three boxes in that in that case. Fiona, what about you? I mean, you you are saying you are giving access, you are enabling, uh, facilitating yes. um, accesses and and better connections, basically. How do you see that uh, your solution uh, and also other solutions around your solutions? Because, I mean, you are part of an ecosystem. You are building yeah. an ecosystem, basically. How does that bring help to build diversity and inclusivity from your point of view? Well, from our point of view, um, it's about the project. It's about the idea. So it's, um, you know, you can obviously surround it with a lot of talent, but it's essentially what we're trying to do is make... Um, the idea stand by itself. So you come to the platform, you create a pitch for your project. Those pitches are formatted in a way that makes it easy for the industry to assess. And what we want to do is cut through the noise and get to the project, get to the idea, so that we are open to all those voices coming in. And you're not going to be kind of blindsided by the fact that this person's got that talent and this person's um, got that history that we can really focus on the nub of that. And I think um, that what that enables is that those new voices come in, which creates a pipeline of talent. We need that to, as a sustainable industry. Um, we need to keep those people engaged, supported. We all want to challenge barriers globally so that people can work together. That's another key thing for us. Talking about people coming together. I mean, who would you invite to come to the EFM startup pitches? I would love to see um, the industry, the established industry come along. I'd love to see them in the audience, um, having their minds blown away by the, the innovation that's there. That's what I'd really like, so that it's not a kind of um, a small group of people that are really interested in innovation, that it becomes centerpiece of the festival, that we really, at the EFM, and we really talk about how our industry can move us all forward. This is wonderful. Let us all move forward. Thank you very much, Fiona. Fiona Gillis, co-founder of MySmash Media. And thank you to Maria Tanjala, co-founder of Film Chain. Thank you for this nice conversation and uh, hope to see you soon in the next festival and for sure at the EFM next year. And now I welcome Alex Serduk, the co-founder and CEO of Respeacher, a voice cloning tool for content creators. And more than by the way, they are based in the Ukraine and still getting their work done since 2018, when Alex Serduk, Dmitro Bilevchov and Grant Rieber founded Respeacher. Since then, the team has been focused on high-fidelity voice cloning. Their technology was the first synthetic speech adopted by big Hollywood productions. The primary focus of Respeacher is improving voice cloning technology in several directions, already applied in feature films and TV projects, video games, animation, localization, media agencies, or healthcare, to name a few sectors. But um, tell me, I mean, 
You are a group of computer nerds which uh, are obsessed with audio. <laughs> That's what you wrote on your website, right? You were frustrated by the robotic voices in our video and automotive navigation systems, and you decided to build something better. So from Shah Rukh Khan to Werner Herzog, the tools allowing for cloning voices sounds great, and it's based on AI and machine learning. Tell me, what is the range of its application, like from voice cloning, dubbing, with focus on the film industry, but how can it be used in the film industry exactly? Thank you so much, ACN. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, when we started with Speecher, we understood that uh, there are no technologies that could provide a synthetic voice on the quality that would meet Hollywood standards. So we wanted to create something that would go through PKS sound engineers and Hollywood studios. Uh, luckily, we succeeded. It took us about a year uh, before our technology appeared in big productions starting 2019. And um, look, when we... Um, think about technology as is and think about applications of this technology, we just start brainstorming and we start listing use cases. And those use cases, currently this list is bigger than 100 use cases. And just a fraction of them is in media industry. Uh, that would be the biggest fraction so far, but uh, that's a starting point. And the thing is, um, what the technology essentially does, not just ours, but all the synthetic speech technologies, including text-to-speech, which is extremely scalable, but not that good in terms of um, emotional control and stuff. Uh, those technologies, they basically detach a human from their voice. So that's something completely new that's being brought to this world, not just to this particular industry. And when we detach a human from their voice, that means that one human can be in many places at the same time, or... One human can do many voices, uh, not being limited to their voice. They can do their young voice. They can do just different voice. They can apply accents. There are plenty of use cases that are being built on top of this. In content creation industry, we've been focused on use cases when we basically can optimize voiceover. So you can better allocate a load between voice actors. You can enable creatives to bring some voices that are no longer with us, like we did in quite a few films and documentary productions. You can DH actors, and that's a common thing to DH them visually, but now you can do that with the technology. Uh, but also, we have some amazing use cases in content creation uh, that are not not been seen right away, like anonymization for documentaries. Uh, when we uh, are interviewing a victim of a crime, of some violence, uh, they might want to keep their identity hidden. And what we used to do usually in content creation community, we just put uh, counter light on them uh, to hide them visually. But then we apply crazy voice morphing, so they sound uh, very bad. Uh, and this voice morphing does not convey the emotional content they're saying. And now we are doing that with documentary creators uh, by just converting their voice into a completely different voice that could be from our library or just from another person. And that gives uh, full performance um, kept in, in the content created as well as it uh, changes their vocal identity completely. Um, how do uh, you actually work with uh, your uh, clients? How do they adopt the tool? Yeah, uh, we can say that film industry, um, like many other industries, could be quite slow in adopting tools. We were lucky enough to start working with uh, um, folks that were in charge of adopting new technologies in Hollywood, like Lucasfilm, Skywalker Sound. So they were very open to exploring those opportunities mm -hmm. and these new technologies. Uh, we started with edge use cases when you cannot just get the voice at all, like uh, making a young voice of Luke Skywalker or getting back the voice of Vince Lombardi or de-aging an actor uh, who just grown uh, in like a kid actor in a massive video game. Those use cases just show that without technology, you cannot achieve this result. You cannot bring young Luke to uh, millions of fans of Star Wars 
uh, without applying the technology. Um, and voice impersonators just physically cannot deliver uh, the same speaker identity as the technology can. But then uh, once we hit this early use cases and we started to scale the technology, we found out that it can be used in pre-production, not just in post-production. That can be something that you build your script on. So we have cases like this, when you're making a documentary about, say, a famous singer, and we are working on one right now, you rely on technology as a creative tool because you know what technology can give you, you know what limitations as well as capabilities of the technology, and you build your story plot uh, in, to some extent based on technology. And that's our projects that excite us a lot. This is great, relying on technology as a creative tool. <laughs> so, but new technologies, I mean, we're talking about smart producing, enabling efficiency, giving a solution to certain problems, obviously, but also as a creative tool, which is great. But this comes, especially in your field, with risks for abusing the technology. So there are issues which are always coming when we talk about AI and, uh, and machine learning and etc. So I know you have a strong commitment to the ethics of voice cloning, but what does that mean concretely? What do you do to actually be able to affirm that you are ethical? Yeah, I mean, even before we started the the company and uh, started to provide technology or pitch technology to content makers, we built a very strong ethics policy. And our ethics policy start with uh, requiring permission from a target voice, the voice that needs to be cloned using our tool. And this permission should be very clear in writing and we should see it. That's something we require uh, in all the projects we are part of. And in many cases, we even had to educate industry and we had to bring all those folks together to actually discuss like IP owners, voice actors, content producers, lawyers, uh, guilds and associations, and even those folks who are in charge of unions and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is very new tool. And like all the tools, it has amazing applications and it has scary applications. And we are in charge of um, empowering amazing applications and protect not just our technology, but the society in general from misuses of technologies like ours. Because even if we can protect free speech from misuse, uh, like 100%, uh, we, we can say that technologies become a commodity. And in two years, it would be quite easy to create the same quality of the sound free speech um, was able to create a year ago. Uh, and that means that we should be investing, and that's what we're doing for five years, uh, into global awareness about the technology. Because when we know how it works, when we understand uh, what it's capable of, we are quite protected as human beings from uh, cases of misuse of the technology. Because now if I show you a picture of myself flying above Eiffel Tower, you wouldn't just believe it. You would say it's Photoshop, right? Because you know how Photoshop works. You know how accessible this tool is. The same should happen with voice cloning technology. Now we are quite protected because it's really hard to make a very high quality deep fake, but in future it would be the case. Uh, also we do invest in uh, detecting tools. So we are working on developing a detector of synthesized speech, not just for speech or synthesized speech, but synthesized speech in general, as well as we are uh, looking very precisely into watermarking because ideally we would want to watermark our content where we would be able to tell speech or generated content from other content. Your technology also brings some uh, added value in terms of inclusivity. I mean, we were talking about the democratization of the technology to let sound professionals and creators all over the world to access your tool. You allow for different languages to be used. or I mean, like there are a, a couple of ways to, to talk about inclusivity. Can you tell me more about this? How do you see yourself being uh, inclusive and giving access to this technology? Of course. I mean, when we started, as as I described before, uh, we were obsessed with quality of the audio and we traded off all the usability. And that means that we ended up having this extremely heavy thing we used to operate manually with, which required a lot of resource. 
and still it's quite heavy thin. And it was available only for big studios because the budgets for using uh, the technology hit very high numbers. Uh, just because uh, it's quite new, it's it was not optimized back then, and uh, it was not fair that only big studios like Hollywood studios with big budgets have access to this amazing tool. And we always dreamt about democratizing it to let any small creator who does not have such a huge budget for, for voiceover in their piece of content, uh, or they just don't have any budget at all and they want to voiceover it themselves, uh, they cannot compete with big studios because uh, they cannot put that amount of money into voiceover. And now what we introduced early this year, Voice Marketplace, a library of voices, basically enables small creators to use just one actor and make them sound in very different voices or just voiceover whatever they create themselves uh, and bring their content to the same level of voiceover quality uh, as big studios and start compete with ideas, not budgets. And that's the future I want to live in when people in creative space start to compete with ideas. And talking about inclusivity, it's not just about democratization of the technology. It's also about what we see in dubbing and localization space, for instance. Uh, Content owners, like studios that produce original content, they want to have control over dubbing and localization, as well as they want uh, good diversity there. They want the diversity they put initially to be represented in dubbing and localization. We talk about sexual diversity, sexual minorities representations, ethnical minorities representations, and it's quite a hard task to achieve when you dub a piece of content into 52 different languages in some regions where this diversity actually does not exist in the region. And technology becomes an enabler there. So we see how we can help them do this representation properly. Uh, uh, which is quite exciting for us. Um, do you have any new features coming up that you can reveal to us or tease to us now? Yeah, uh, just recently, um, maybe three or four weeks, we finally got very good results from accent conversion. And we've been working on accent for quite a while, but Respeacher, the way how Respeacher works, we never release something before we are fine with quality we produce. And given that our in internal quality standards are very high, it could take us long to get a new feature introduced. But this accent conversion feature works very exciting. So we basically can uh, apply accents uh, for all the voices we have in the library. Um, additionally to that, we uh, introduced real-time voice conversion this year. Mm -hmm. It's not available through the voice marketplace for small creators yet, but Along with that, we opened a new program at Respeacher called Small Creators Program. So if you have a case where you would really benefit from utilizing voice conversion technology, voice cloning technology, and just a library of voices cannot satisfy you because you need to introduce particular voices and you have very limited budget, we are still open to review that. And we take from one to two projects per month. This is great. So listen, you have been now on the market for nearly five years. You have seen a lot of things happening in the ecosystem. And uh, I would like to ask you, what are the next smart producing tools you see coming up or you would like to see coming up? When we work in different projects, we often go hand in hand with visual synthesis technologies. That's a common thing when you would apply respeacher to change the voice and you would apply visual synthesis to actually drive the face of a character. And we see a lot of progress in this industry. And that means that those technologies uh, would also be commoditized and also would become more accessible. We see a lot of technologies that enable content creators to just use an iPhone or just a smartphone to create a quality of content that's uh, basically not different from big studio setup. And that means that uh, price of production would be decreasing and a lot of techs are, are there. I'm, I'm not very much experienced in working with those techs, but I see from uh, our clients that they start adopting that. And 
basically they optimize processes. So there are more and more tasks to optimize the process, the process of pre-production, the process of storyboards uh, making, the process of shooting and filming, and the process of post-production. And all this is under heavy attack of optimizing tools right now. And we see those that would stick and uh, those that would stick would actually be democratized very soon. This this is happening very fast now. Yes, Alex, this is what you were also uh, saying before, that the time frame where technology being used as a commodity uh, is actually reducing and re reduced uh, at a faster rate now. So th this is really a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me with us. Um, I think I will keep in mind really that, uh, yes, technology allows more and more processes to be optimized, but at the end, um, rely on tech as a creative tool. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And please keep standing with Ukraine. So now we're going to move to sustainability and production, the new and necessary release indeed, bound together for the best and a better world. This is a new reality for the film industry. And uh, I'm very happy to welcome Max Hermans, the co-founder and COO of The Green Shot. I mean, the name says it all. The first app to connect costs and carbon footprints in real time. So, Max, I mean, I would like to know a little bit more about how this actually came to life. Um, you are coming from the field, right? So how did you notice there was a, a need, a painful need? Hi. Yes, my background comes from location and production management on set. Um, based in Brussels, I worked exclusively on international co-production on feature film. The need came from being on the field as a location or production manager. Uh, my belief is that we really need to embed sustainability within the production workflow rather than having as a parallel track uh, with not much Um, of the crew being involved in the process. So tell me more about how does this actually concretely work? Because when I was reading that the app is saving uh, up to 50% of your administrative costs, what, what does that mean exactly? How does that work? So what the GreenShot does or is, is really a data collection software. We are a single platform where crew member can fill in all the financial informations meaning time cards, expenses, purchase orders, uh, they receive their documents, uh, accommodation, everything in one single app. Uh, because we compute the cost reports in real time based on all those granular data, we have the most precise information available to also compute the carbon footprint mm -hmm. in a real-time manner. So it's quite a, a few things that you are doing. And so it's a, this kind of new tools which are assisting the producers in meeting the requirement because I mean, we have growing requirements. So how does your tool actually assist producers to, to meet these criteria? So the sustainability space in the film industry is quite nascent. And what we've seen so far is that different regions or different countries in Europe all promote a different certification or calculator that producers need to use. Mm -hmm. So it's honestly a little bit Uh, complicate to navigate what certification is needed where, and this is where the green shots uh, comes in. We simplify um, the work for producers because we aggregate all the different certification in a single app. So in Germany, you, you would have green motion. In, in Belgium, you would have green film in the south region. And for every regional country, I can give you another certification. The green shot is not a certification per se. We are a software that integrates the certification and we map the information available from production into the certification. So the benefit for producer is that it decreases the administrative overhead and it makes the certification way easier uh, to fulfill. So do you think that people actually use the app to meet the requirements which are necessary or do you think they do it because they want to be good? So some of them have a conscious uh, or conscious about the climate change and comes they come to us because they want to do something good most of them are tied by uh, public funding to actually do the certification and they are on the look for what are the easy ways to get it fulfilled with not 
with it not being time consuming or money consuming and this is really um where most why most of people come to green job mm. how do you see the future for new tools in your field what did you I mean, we're talking about smart producing here, right? And so talking about your ecosystem, what is coming up? What are the exciting tools that are needed that you see coming up? I think that we had quite a lot since now of tools built for production needs. So either accounting softwares or production softwares. I think the new tools coming out are tools more focused on the involvement of the crew and the head of department in the overall process for one, and the other part are tools that are able to interface with the already existing ecosystem of softwares. Calculating the carbon footprint of a production as tons of carbon is obviously needed to have a benchmark across the industry, but what is really needed if we want the film industry to change is to give the means and the ways of to act to the crew members actually working on set. Um, today, if you go on a film set somewhere, you have people from different departments. Uh, even if they want to act or to change the way they work, there not much, not many guides or, or resources yet. They can have access on the go. So I think um, crew involvement and inclusion uh, softwares that are going to come out will be very interesting towards the sustainability uh, actions. Mm -hmm. We were talking before with uh, the, the other guests about... Uh, the willingness and the eagerness of um, the industry to embrace innovation. I mean, we, we were not sure they were so eager to do so. <laughs> But do you do you feel this um, um, flexibility also with your uh, and curiosity also with your clients? Are they are they happy to to use uh, uh, apps and new production tools? What's your point of view on this? The conversations are a little bit different if you are talking to a US or UK production or to a production happening in mainland Europe. US or UK are used to have apps, different apps for different things on set already, and they see ourselves as a central hub with everything under one roof. Mm -hmm. So yes, they are pleased to use a central tool rather than disparate tool across. In Europe, the conversations are a little bit different because of the complexity of the European territories with all the different rules that apply to the different nationalities of the crew. Uh, we solve this by embedding it and automating a lot of the process there. So in that uh, manner, production are willingly welcome the, the app. About navigating sustainability now, I think all industry is all about competitiveness. And if you are going to say to a U.S. or U.K. producer that they have to pay so much more to shoot in whatever region because of that certification they need to do, then it could be um, slowing down the, the region competitiveness to um, exterior production. Hmm. So that's also the aim we have is to keep it competitive and useful. What are the next functionalities that you are working on? What is going to be launched soon on your app or beyond your app? So the big functionalities we are working on at the moment is really about the forecasting. So at the moment, we are able to collect an enormous amount of data and populate it in a way that the producer needs. Mm -hmm. Where we are uh, heading to is forecasting. Based on the information we receive from your prep phase, um, based on the location choice, for example, we could forecast the cost based on transport, accommodation, energy, etc., but also the sustainable impact of that choice. So we could um, give between two locations a difference of footprint of your crew and production uh, that could ultimately motivate the choice of the director uh, or the producer. So that will be, I think, quite a powerful tool when you put it at a scale that is meaningful enough. Great. So if I now extend the scope of our conversation and leave just the uh, green production segment, which is actually invading all the space, but still, what do you think are the next challenges in um, new technology um, in production itself? Where do you see needs that are not being fulfilled yet, where smart producing could enter the picture? I think that So two things about new tech in film. First one is obviously adoption because you can build brilliant tech and not have that much adoption because people are not that used to have an app or technical services there. 
second part is I think that energy and transport are the two biggest points of spendings and carbon footprint on a live action production. Um, so this is where we need new tech to really go further and beyond on what we do actually. We say that virtual production is actually going to be production in the future. Everything is going to be virtual or there is such a scenario at least. How will that change your approach with your app? We will keep me measuring whatever the producer wants to shoot. If he or she wants to shoot in a virtual production studio for three weeks there, uh, then yes, we will measure the impact of uh, the digital data that is involved uh, because virtual studio doesn't make your shoot z uh, net zero. Um, virtual production means that you need to produce that, those images that go on the screen there, and that doesn't have a zero impact. There is a lot of processing of those images that is happening. There's a lot of storage happening for all those files as well. Mm -hmm. So virtual production is not removing all the hassle of the carbon footprint reduction and production. So how do you see the, the future developing in terms of sustainability on set? Do you think that everybody is going to be so conscious that maybe it will make an app redundant? We have a long way to go, I think, <laughs> until there. Because you, you could see it, um, obviously, on set is one thing, but it's like any individual. You take your car to go to, to work in the morning and then you're going to eat food at noon. And, and, and film life is exactly the same. We are traveling to and from sets. We are eating. We are going to sleep to accommodations there. There's a, a meaningful impact to any action that we do. And what we want really to give is to give the, the power to the, the crew member to actually know how much the footprint is worth and what actions have been taken by the production to counter it or to ease it. <laughs> I, I wanted to finish, you know, like on something like, yes, you know, like bright future. <laughs> no, there will be always a next challenge. So indeed, there will be always a, a next challenge. <laughs> So what, I, can, I can say that we are going to be a net zero industry in five years, but that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I wanted you to give me hope, you know, to, to finish on a, on a great note or something. But uh, The people on set are actually conscious that something needs to be done, and that is new. That maybe wasn't the case five or ten years ago. Some of them were, but it is, it is a more general mindset that is coming up now. If you see or study how sustainability is managed on set, it's the issue of the sustainable department and the production department. You won't see much of the art department, locations, sparks, whatever, being involved in that process. The future, in my view, is a place where everybody on set is conscious of its own footprint, the one of the production and the general effort that has been taken. So it was super exciting to hear so much about new tools in smart producing and uh, everyone you heard from today took part in the EFM Startups program over the past few years and you can also be one of these. You still have time to apply for the opportunity to participate in the EFM Startups 2023 to highlight your innovative ideas and tools for the future of producing. If you're selected as one of the 10 EFM startups, you will have an opportunity to pitch your startup on stage to an audience of producers and industry, as well to a select group of investors. In addition, you will take part in a series of one-on-one -on -one meetings with top players in the industry, introducing your innovative ideas to them. The deadline for application is January 13th, 2023. Go to efm-berlinale.de for more information and how to apply. There will be actually also the address in the notes of this show. Thanks again to the EFM and Partners. The year-round podcast Industry Insights is produced by the Berlinale European Film Market in cooperation with Goethe Institute and co-founded by Creative Europe Media. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for sharing. And uh, see you soon at the Berlinale, at the EFM. See you there.